What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining this very special episode of the Endless Sales Podcast. I'm absolutely delighted and honoured to be joined by a very special guest. Uh, you may know him as an actor, director, producer, but most importantly, diehard Celtic fan, Ross McCall. Ross, how you doing? I'm good, John. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. Just recovering from the Christmas festivities, as it is. It's uh, it's that time of year. You can either you can either go full throttle and go nuts, or you can you know reevaluate your health choices. I guess. <laughs> it's try to find the balance, Ross. It's sure. It's you seem it's, the pendulum swings one way or the other for me. Yeah, yeah. I still it's struggle like, with it. I struggle with it every year. I'm like, you know what? This year I might fast. I might take it easy. I might it never turns out that way. No, no, as like I can say, it's finding that balance. Where did you spend Christmas this year? Were you back over in Scotland? Or? I was, I was. I was up in Glasgow for uh, just right before Christmas, and then my brother and uh, and my mum are down south. So I went down to see them for Christmas Day. And then the plan was, I mean, my, my, my whole plans got scuppered um, because we had such a slew of games coming up. I had uh, I'd got tickets for every game. So I, I was going to go watch the Hibs game. I was coming back up for the St. Johnson game. I'm going to watch the, the Derby on the second. Um, and, of course, I was at the uh, at the St. Mirren game when we got the news that it wasn't happening. So then I was like, yeah. probably as much as I'd love to come back up and, you know, wear 15 layers of clothing <laughs> um, and see my dad, it would be probably stupid. So I, I jumped on a plane and came up. Yeah, perfect. I mean, they, yeah, no, they, the fixer changes, I think, something that's sort of irritated all is. Uh, but at yeah. the same time, yeah, there's a level of understanding because this all, I mean, I think the squad's depleted quite dry. I think what was the last one, one of the guys on the podcast there recently uh, pulled a stat for Twitter. I don't know how legitimate it is, but they said something like 18 players or something were out, which was wow. accounted for such the, the, the reason for the team changing so much. Well, I don't I know th- how true that is, but. Well, and I think on top of that, you know, I, I saw an interview this morning or, or yesterday with, with Big Ange, you know, and, and he was saying, who wants to play in front of 500? So forget the injury list, exactly. forget everything that's going on. That's where I, I lean into the same thing as him and say, go, you know, that's a Johnson game. Didn't look particularly exciting if, if you were there, you know what I mean, without the fans. So um, if we can if we can do whatever it takes to allow fans back into the stadium, I think it's it's the right move. Right move, yeah. And what about the the game, uh, or the rescheduled game for the second of February? Are you plans to come over for that, or you you? Unfortunately, up? not. No, I'm I'm shooting over here, so I've you know I'll, I'll be on a film set watching it at four a.m. No doubt. Um, <laughs> I saw but, I saw one of your other interviews where you were saying that you, you you that's one of the things that you like to do. Obviously, living in LA, um, obviously with the, the time differences and things like that, when games kick off here, it's early hours over there at times, especially European ties and things like that. Um, and such as yourself, because you're a busy man, if you're, you're, you're doing things on set or you're busy, you're working, um, you, you find the time to watch the game between takes and stuff like that. What's, what's, the, what's the sort of process? I mean, you know, I, I, I hate to, to show my complete and utter unprofessionalism at work. But, yeah, there are times where I will I will sneakily have the game playing over by my chair and, you know, in between takes as long as I, you know, it's probably not it's, it's probably not in the middle of like a big emotional beat, but it's uh, <laughs> There's certainly times where I can run over and have a quick little sneaky look. I will. I'll be checking in, but the majority of the time, because of the time difference, it's you know either I'll get the replay uh, when I go yeah, back yeah. to the hotel, or I actually get up and watch it live. You know, I've uh, I've actually been shooting in New York before, where on my day off, I've gone to uh, to the Celtic bars in New York to watch it, and the producers think I'm crazy because they're like, you should be resting. And I'm like, you should be resting. Yeah, <laughs> they don't get it over there. It's not not something you can teach. Um, just got just going back to your early days, then Ross. Obviously, people are going to know. Like for anybody who doesn't know who you are, which um, the Celtic fan base is going to know who you are. Um, well, so listen, I mean, you know, I, I often say that. Yeah, some people know who I am, and many don't. You know, it's okay either way. Yeah, um, but obviously, um, where you came from, um. I believe it was Port Glasgow. Were you born in Port Glasgow? If I, if born in Greenock. Born in Greenock. Can't you tell from the accent? Yeah, so that, yeah. I was going to ask you about the accent. Yeah, so you've got a very heavy Scottish accent. I was just wondering how that came about. How did your early days start out? Um, so I was born in Greenock, um, lived in Port Glasgow in a little place called Devol, um, and uh, went to school up there at St. Michael's. Um and my my dad, who's also you know a massive Celtic fan, and um, actually that's 
a huge connection to the club is 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 mm. my dad and I, you know. So um, all we do is talk about Celtic. So it's, it's been a, a brilliant bonding experience, like many families, uh, for my family as well. Um, and so he was uh, he was in the fire service. So he was a fireman as I was growing up. And as he was making his way up the ranks, we were kind of like army brats. You know, you'd move wherever yeah, yeah, the yeah, old man's yeah. job was. And so he got promoted to, you know, county chief. Uh, at one point down in Kent. And so it was a big move, you know, it was me, my brother and my mum and my dad. And he was like, all right, kids, we're going to England. And I remember I was probably, uh, you know, seven when I moved down there. Um, but we were, we were sold the dream that, you know, England was like Spain, you know, sunny all the time, <laughs> have a year round tan. So it's, uh, it's a good way to live, you know, and of course that, that all came tumbling down as soon as we got to Ashford. Well, <laughs> um, and so, uh, so the accent changed pretty quickly. You know, kids adapt. You adapt. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I was getting sick and tired of people not understanding what I was saying. And so very, very quickly, probably too quickly, I came out of the school with some weird Mockney accent. Um, <laughs> and I remember my dad just being horrified, hearing me, you know, yell at my mates, all right, mate, see you later. You know, you don't... <laughs> Fuck are you? <laughs> you know? Do you still get that? Do you, do, 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 when you like when you go back to visit family or you speak to family or you you spend any sort of time around family? Do, do you, does the Scottish accent sort of drift in? Is it something that just kind of comes over time? No, nah, not really. I mean, yeah, no. What's funny is whenever there's anyone in the states, um, you know, most people know that I'm Scottish now. Um, but for many years, they always thought I was an American because I would just play Americans all the time. Um, yeah the more known I got or the more work that I did, people started knowing that I was Scottish, but they'll be like, oh yeah, I, I, you're Scottish, right? And I'll be talking They're like, yeah, I love, I can hear your brogue. And I'm like, you've no idea what a Scottish brogue is because I do not sound Scottish in the slightest. Um, <laughs> do you put it on? Do you, do you, do you just put well, the accent on? Honestly, honestly it's cool. I, if I had to play a Scotsman, I would I would have to work at it. I mean, I could get it, do you know what I mean? But I would, yeah, I would yeah. have to, it, it wouldn't just be, Overnight, I would have to so like riding a bike, Ross. It would come back to you, no bother. Eventually, I'm sure it would. Eventually, yeah. Any I mean, right, there are times I'll be I'll be in a football crowd. Well, I'll, I'll make sure there's a little bit of a, a Scottish twang in there, just so that. Does that just come naturally, or is that something? Is that no, just, I'm, very, I'm very conscious of it. I just, I just right. in, like who's that English twat? You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want to get into it. No. Have you any plans to 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 do anything football wise in terms of like scripts or? films anything come up or have you had funny, the opportunity? Funny you mention it yeah there, there are a few the um you know there's a there's a little whisper uh i i write and 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 produce a little bit too now um and uh and i've been given the the go-ahead to do another green street which which would be interesting if i come up with a right I'd, i'll only do it if i can get the right people and it would just be all the people from the original um fantastic and, uh, film by the way i just have to yeah, say that. i mean it I mean, bless you for saying it. I mean, it ain't Citizen Kane. I'm aware of it. No, it's, yeah, it's not, but it's a yeah. cult classic. And I think in, cult in, classic. in the football and, circles. It, absolutely. Uh, and even, listen, even the second one, as, dive, as rubbish as it was, it was still like, there was still like an element of, you know, it, enough cheesiness in it that it made you sort of smile with it. You know, I, I still I still have fans of both of the films around the world. Um, but if I was to do it, I would I would make it a little more reality based and um, bring back some of the some of the original boys. So that's very very early days, just loose talks. Um, and then there was a TV show that we were talking about. But then Ted Lasso came out and just like took over the world. And that um, that's a brilliant show. So you know, I'm I'm not sure if we can top it, but I'm always thinking. You know, I'm always yeah. thinking. Yeah. Any plans for a Celtic documentary or bi biopic of some sort? Yeah, I don't think it would be a documentary. I think if if uh, I've, I've been I've been mulling over the idea of something Celtic based, um, you know, but I I don't even have the legs to start on it yet. So yeah. you know, at some point, I'm sure I'll come up with something. Well, I'm sure it will be fantastic, regardless, especially with the contacts that you have as well. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the, club, the club's very good to me, and um, you know, I I adore it, and um, you know. Uh, most fans understand that and understand that love. Occasionally, I'll get a little bit of earache for you know, you know. I'll, how come you're getting tickets to the cup final? Do you go any of the away games? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, yeah. Look, it is what it is. It's like uh, I understand a real fan base. I I would like to think I'm a real fan, um, 
and uh and you know i talk about the club and in a in a very positive and and um loving way really so uh so yeah i've got some pals at the club and they're very nice to me and i'm very nice to them yeah and i think one of the other things we as celtic fans as well and for those of you that there's that, that, that follow you on social media um obviously very good friends with the like say uh, martin compson tony curran um also very big celtic fans and um I mean, we, we, we've, I know you've touched on it. We said it just before we came on and we were recording. Um, you, you, there's a thing you've said it in many interviews as well in the past um, about gifting Celtic jerseys to any sort of co-workers or, or, or people that you're working with. Is there anybody who has, where that's kind of stuck, do they come to games with you in LA? Is, is there anybody that you can, like, that tags along or is it just the same crowd? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, you know, I have mentioned it before. It's, it's, a, it's a, a, a tricky path that because you can, you can go overboard with it. I see it sometimes. Some people going a little bit overboard. And they're like, hey, blah blah, is a Celtic fan. And you're like, no, it's not. You've, you know, you've just taken a picture with him in the yeah, sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? um, and, and, and you know, it was a little bit like that with the whole Kiefer Sutherland thing that we were talking about earlier. You know, everyone was like, ah, Jack Bowers a Tim, and it's like. He couldn't name one of the players. No, it, it was a moment <laughs> of just going, hey, you know watch this game with me and he did and it was cool you know um i would probably go the other way i i actually got brought into when i was first in la it was really hard to find anywhere that would show the games um you know you're going back 20 years so i used to there was a pub in hollywood that used to show the uh the derby games uh the old firm back then you know yeah, and yeah, so yeah. i would uh i would go down and i'd watch the derby games there but then there was um this actor called Eddie Cahill. Now, people might not know his name, but if you've ever watched CSI New York, he was like one of the lead guys on that. Um, but people will really remember him from, he was in Friends for a long time. He played uh, Jennifer Aniston's boyfriend, Tag, the young guy, the... the uh, oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her, her assistant or whatever. Uh, well, Eddie's a massive Celtic fan. And so we had met at a dinner one night and he knew I was a Celtic fan. He's like, you know, there's this boozer down in Culver City called Jocks Daily where it's a Celtic club. And I had no idea at this point. So he sort of uh, guided me into that. And then he and I would just watch the games and he became a fan because he was traveling around Europe and he ended up in Glasgow and he met a bunch of Celtic fans and they took him under their wing and he ended up going to a game and he's become a lifelong fan. So it's, you know, it's sort of the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love hearing stories like that, though. See, when you, when, like, for people like yourself, myself, it's a family thing. It's like you're born in, yeah, it's like you're, you're usually your dad, your grandfather, about yeah. uh, Celtic fans, and, and, and it's just kind of, you're born in, yeah, it's just the way it is. Uh, but for people like that, like you said, if you're travelling and then you, you, you go to a Celtic game, we hear a lot about uh, the crowd, uh, the atmosphere at Celtic Park being one of the best in Europe and things like that. So when you hear stories like that, that people actually experience it and become lifelong Celtic fans, uh, uh, stories like that are, are absolutely amazing to me. I think they're fascinating. I think um, that's the magic of the club, to be honest. Absolutely. It really does have like a, <clears throat> like a, you know, uh, a warm but also exciting uh, vibrancy about it. You know, it's, it's really, it's kind of unexplainable to those who haven't experienced it. Yeah, I've tried explaining it to some people. It just doesn't go down very well. You either get it or you don't. It's funny. Mm -hmm. You have to experience it, uh, as you said. Uh, Ross, just getting into the, the whole Celtic thing, I want to just start briefly on, obviously, um, Celtic, as we're all aware, just last season were on the cusp of something, um, cusp of achieving greatness and something that probably will never be achieved again. We still won the second nine in a row. Um, I'm still happy with that, but we could have went that step further. Obviously, last season was a bit of a... I don't know how you would call it. It's a bit of a shit show. Um, but what, what was your thoughts on the season? Just to, just quickly, just recap what your thoughts were last season at last June, the, the sort of 10 in a row season and, and what, what happened there. Well, I think, look, I mean, the one thing we've got to remember that I think we're all sort of looking at now was the world was changing. You know, yeah. we went through an unprecedented time. We went through, you know, a world war almost you know and that's not being dramatic that's just been there was such a change in our lifestyles people lost family members people lost jobs people lost businesses people lost relationships people lost a, a whole ton of you know stuff because of this covid nonsense um and so there was like a real imbalance in the world first and foremost secondly you know i i don't shy away from the fact that we probably had been two or three years with warning signs 
where we were yeah. just scraping by. You know, I would um, agree with that. You know, we were we were just just getting a title. We were just beating certain teams in certain games. We were riding our luck. I mean, I even remember that um, the cup final uh, against Rangers, and they were all over us. You know, and we got the goal, the Chris Julien goal. Um, and if it wasn't for Big Fraser at that point, we could have, you know, had a very different outcome. So, like, the warning signs were there for me. Uh, yeah. I was watching a very shaky defence. I was watching just, uh, I don't know, the, the, the risk The risk when you're pushing for something as well is there's so much kind of chatter about it, about the 10, that it probably got into everybody's psyche. So when yep. I'm sitting there and I'm watching it and I'm going, this is a shame that on the possibility of the 10, A, there's going to be no fans. You know, it's going to be a different, it's going to be a different celebration regardless. And I just remember watching the wheels come off. And I remember just, it was probably this time last year, you know, where I'm, yeah, watching, yeah. I'm going, Okay, so we have to win the next blah blah games. I can't remember the exact math, but I was like, okay, so we have to win every game now against our bitter rivals. Okay, we've just drawn another one. All right, so now we have to win every game, you know, and it was just each week something was happening, and I was like, oof, this is really going to go south, you know, yeah, and, yeah. Sense it, and everybody sensed it. So it was like um, really hugely disappointing, um, but I just felt that. It was just an awkward year, and I guess look, what happens is supposed to happen. We weren't supposed to win it, you know. Um, and the way we lost it was, you know, it was just it was I just think, a to lose it in such a dramatic fashion. Yeah, yeah. in that year, you know. But hey ho, you know, it's a second nine. We still got a quadruple, which you know that'll never be touched again as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the, the, the like you mentioned there, I think the, the getting the ten became an obsession for people almost as fans mm-hmm. um, and whether or not it affected the players who were playing that season and got into their heads um, because they knew what was at stake. Um, obviously it's debatable. We don't know what the case is, but, uh, but for me, it d- definitely seemed like during that season, players heads did drop whether they wanted to be there or not because of the changes in the back room. Um, we know obviously towards the latter end of that season with um, the, the whole Eddie Howe saga as well. And, and, mm-hmm that leaving us in a position where fortunately we did get a guy in who by all accounts has been absolutely fantastic. But do you remember how you felt initially? Like once that season was over and you just started planning for a new season and just getting things behind you, do you when the whole, do you, did you know, first of all, obviously a big football fan, were you aware of who Eddie Howe was prior and were you excited about the potential appointment? Yeah, I was, um, you know, I, I thought he'd done some great work down South. Um, I liked his, his attitude, his demeanor. Um, what I will say is, you know, in hindsight, you know, there's no way we would have Kyogo right now if, if we didn't have Ange. There's exactly. no way, we'd have, yeah. you know, maybe we'd have an Abada, but you know, there are certain players that came along because of Postacoglu and, um, and it just goes to show you what you think is the right decision actually turns out that, you know, we were all gutted when, when the Eddie Howe thing didn't work out because we're like, well, who are we going to go to now? And, you know, I think we're all aware our club tends to sometimes, you know, have that biscuit tin mentality and go this route and not go for the Brendan Rogers. And to me, you know, I was slightly disappointed. I love Lenny. I'm a, I'm a big Lenny fan. I know it splits the, 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 the crowd. Um, I do think that, you know, his last season was abysmal. Um, I just like him as a man and I, you know, I just know him as a Celtic man. And so, but to me, I was like, after Brendan left, the fact that we went back to Neil, I was like, well, hopefully he'll prove us wrong. You know, he was magical the first time around. So great. But I remember looking at that going, there's no desire. You know, the, where's the where's the desire to go out and get hundred percent? You know, and that was disappointing for me. So, watching Lenny's demise as a manager, I felt for him in many ways. You know, but I was also like, yeah, man, we we need to bring somebody in. So Eddie was on paper a good idea, but even then, if we're all truly honest, he hadn't won anything on paper. I mean, you know, he, he got his side promoted. He, he did well. He's got a good managerial thing, but there was no, mm-hmm. you know, there's, 
there's no resume there that I go, oh my God, that's what we have to get. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the excitement of that. I do as well, you know, of yeah. going, oh great, it's a name. It's somebody who could be. So when Ange came along, of course, nobody's heard of him. Everybody panics, me included, going, where did this come from? Like, what door was open? Like, you know, and then you realize the 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 connection to Man City and it probably came through that avenue. And, you know, I think he's doing wonderful things for us and I think he's going to change our club again. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I think when, when you, like you said, you touched on it perfectly, Eddie Howe was an exciting prospect and I think we were all, football fans were aware of the job he was doing at Bournemouth. Mm. But like you said, he never had anything on, on, like if you look at his CV, it looks impressive when you, you look at how long he managed to maintain the Premier League. Uh, getting his side promoted, successive season, etc. But he never actually won anything or not. Mm. Um, and I think we have dodged the bullet, I'm not going to lie. Um, we've seen him take over this job at Newcastle and he looks maybe a wee bit out of his depth. Obviously, January is going to be a big one because we know Newcastle have just had that buyout. And they've, well, they've got the money now, so they can... So it's what, this is what Eddie does from here on in mm. uh, would determine. But obviously, the position at Newcastle at the minute, he's not had time to get any players in. He's come into a squad and had to try and mobilise them. And by all accounts, up until this point, he's not done a great job. So the Celtic job, what he would have come into, would have been worse, as far as I'm concerned. Sure. Um, so because the, 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 we were in dire straits uh, towards the end of that season, we knew we were going to lose the likes of Edward Ayer. Uh, and these guys were going to be leaving and the squad was going to be heavily depleted and we needed the guy. So the fact that, like you mentioned, we, we brought this unknown manager in, um, I'm a pers- I, I can admit I didn't know who he was. I was on Google checking out who he was. I was watching interviews with him on YouTube. Uh-huh. Um, but I mean, the, the more I started to see him, the more I started to hear him. Were, were you were you in the sort of same sort of? Were you sort of doing a little bit of research? Were you watching him? Oh, yeah, I think we all watched. Uh, you know, the the Australian <clears throat> newscaster giving him grief and the way he was sort of standing strong to him. And I was like, I like the way he talks to the press. And listen. I'm in a world where where media can be for you or against you, you know. So I know how reporters can can kind of go for certain. And I just love the fact that he stood tall and just, you know, barked yeah, back man. at them in in a in a very intellectual way. You know, it was never sort of like just arguing to and fro. And I was like, that's probably who we need. We need somebody who who can stand up and go. Listen, I mean, I loved his his first press conference where. And I do get slightly agitated at some of the questions. Even now, I hear some of the questions from those reporters and I'm just like, oh, it's such a... I mean, are you actually yes. thinking about the questions you're asking? I mean, anyway, it's sort of ludicrous. <laughs> and so watching him uh, be able to angle that, and I, it, it was the question where, you know, he turned around, he said, I presume you're saying that, you know, this job is above me and I'm beneath it or, or whatever it was. Um, and he said, I've done World Cups, mate. You know, I've... I've won a lot of things in Asia and just because you guys haven't heard of it doesn't mean that it's not a huge deal. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I just love the fact that he sort of came back in a non-arrogant way going, all right, just trust me, let's have a look. And look, you know, of course, we all got nervous at the beginning of the season. You know, preseason was a bit drab and then, you know, our first game we lose. Um, and, uh, you know, the first month was tough. But then slowly but surely, I started seeing him build this squad. And there's a real magic about Celtic uh, when we're up against it, you know. And and you just see, for the first time, at least for me, I'm starting to see a common bond between the players. I'm starting to see yeah. that real team spirit. Um, and it's lovely to watch, you know. And, and so, you know, are we still shipping in a few goals? Yeah, but we're also you know, putting in tons of goals and our play is sublime at times and so much fun to watch. And um, someone like uh, Postacoglu seems to have his finger on the pulse. And look, let's not kid ourselves. The mess that we were in last year, and like I say, it went back three years. Those those holes were beginning to appear where we're just scraping by each year. It was starting to look shaky. Um, This rebuild should take two to three years. And it looks like within the matter of four months, he's got us fighting for the prize again. And you go, that's pretty incredible. That's a good and, point. Yeah. And look, you know, January is going to be a big month for Eddie Howe. It's going to be a big month for, for Celtic and Postacoglu too, you know, if, if he's in his reinforcements. Um, I was watching some of the some of the uh, uh, videos put out on Twitter with the new Japanese lads, you know, and it's like, 
we could really be a force to be reckoned with, you know, even watching, even watching Europe this year, again, sure. We had like the most goals conceded, I think, um, which is yeah. not a record, but watching us go up against Real Betis, watching us go up against Leverkusen, you know, I mean, it was just such a shame we didn't win that, win that game with 10 minutes to go, you know, yeah, yeah. but there's promise there. And I think that's what we needed. We needed somebody to come in that had, their eye a little bit further than just the, the SPL, you know, that goes, look, there's a business module with Celtic. And I understand this. There is a business. We don't get paid the same amount of money as those in the premiership get paid for TV rights. So there is a bank account that needs to level. And yeah. so if you win the Scottish Premier League and you get lucky and get far in Europe, then, you know, the money comes in. But to go and spend tons and tons of millions and millions and millions on players, that's a risk whether you're going to get into the last 16. It's not good business sense. So I understand yeah. it from a business point of view. As a fan, that's hard because we go, no, we want to, you know, we want Seville. Absolutely. We want, you know, 67. But in reality, to get a team that's going to compete in that level, you're going to have to spend way more money than Celtic have. Yeah. And way more money than Scottish football has. Uh, definitely. I mean, I, I, yeah, you, no, I mean, you're absolutely right, Ross. I think that that is by far and away the, the biggest problem we as a club face. Um, mm -hmm. And we know that. We, we can't compete with these clubs financially. Um, I think what one of the things that used to bother me about Celtic um, going back from previous years is making, getting into Europe seem to be the goal. It's, it's, we got there, it's fine. We didn't care. And at that point, we were very defensive. It was quite negative football. We weren't playing the sort of football. Whereas Andrew's brought this philosophy in where it's just attack, 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 attack. It doesn't matter who we're playing against. We don't fear nobody. Yep. We, like you said, we, 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 I mean, we gave Batista a game. We gave Leverkusen a game. We still finished that group with nine points. Mm -hmm. Despite the amount of goals we shipped, we were scoring goals as well. And I like that. And like you said, it's still very, very early days. There's still other pieces to bring in in January. Uh, and a bit like once that clicks, it looks like it could be potentially like a, a force, like a, a proper force to be reckoned with. Um, and I, I feel that this 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 common window, January, like you mentioned the the Japanese guys that we've been linked with. Um, do do you feel like uh, what what what's your thoughts on like Carter Vickers and Jota in terms of getting them permanent? Do you think that's paramount? I think it's paramount, yeah. And I, I think the club knows paramount. You know, we've been we've been screaming for a centre back. Of, of good ilk, you know. Um, uh, our defence has been a problem for three, four years. And we've had good players, but it's been a problem, you know. And I think Carter Vickers is arguably one of our better defenders right now. He's strong. He's He seems to have passion, you know. you you. The thing that always surprises me, you, you watch a player's reaction when somebody scores. And it just shows you you know, what they're feeling at that moment. It's not just a quick slap on the back. I mean, and he runs and he's like ecstatic that we've just scored a goal. He's strong. Um, he's he's like a bull, you know. Um, so I I mean, I, I read this morning, I think there's well, like a six million price tag. Six, on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, you know, that's a heavy amount. But I think or I hope the club are now looking at, you know, that's going to benefit us in the long run rather than us going and getting another 1 million, 1.2 million centre-back from, you know, wherever. I think Dranovic has been brilliant for us. So Kartovic is in there with him. Big Julian, if he comes back, when he comes back. Um, but I think Welsh has been doing a great job. Um, I feel that we've got, a, you know, Starfelt still sort of finding his feet. Yeah. Um, but I do think that we've got like a, a solid back four now. Jota is, there's no question. There's no question. I mean, we Phenomenal. should absolutely throw the money at him, um, get him in. The good news is, is the business side of things, which which perhaps in the past hasn't been fully recognised or dealt with accordingly. Um, usually we were just loaning these players and then you'd have to go back and do the barter and try and get them to stay and whatever. These two deals with Jota and with Carter Vickers, we already have built in, you know, the right to buy. So... That's great business that we've done that. You know, we get first yep. choice, first look. So I'd, I'd, I'd imagine, I mean, who knows? I, I don't run the club, but I'd imagine they, they'll they be on the forefront to, to make them permanent signings. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think for me that like you said, tying those two up on long term deals is. I don't want it to be another situation personally where it's a Paddy Roberts for Jota. Like yeah. we yeah. we let that just run its course and then yeah. we end up losing a, a great talent. And we've seen how well he, he's dominating this league. He, he he's strolling it. Was, like, we know he's too good for it. We've seen it before. Um, we saw when Van Dyke came to Celtic. I think the, the mentality Celtic have is we 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 take a chance on a lot of project players. Um, and we try and get them in for low value, sell them on for profit, which is a good business model for a club like yours, I guess, um, especially when you need to compete in terms of finances because we struggle in that sense. But when you get players like that in, it doesn't happen with everybody, but I think we as a club think we're going to find a gem more often than we actually do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean for every Jota, we've got you know four or five that didn't quite make the Exactly. Mark. Yeah. Exactly. But... Yeah. I mean, using we've not had. A, I mean, I Ayers, he, he he was there a while, and he was. He, I think he was a really good defender, and he had a lot of potential. But I think what what with defenders and guys we're bringing in, we, we we keep thinking we're going to maybe find another Van Dyke. That's never going to happen. That was a one off. Um, but Vickers is one of these guys where he's come in. He's 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 not the same sort. I'm not comparing him to Van Dyke in any by any means, but. He's obviously he's a big guy. He's strong on the ball. He's confident. He knows how to defend. He he, he commands his back line as well. It's something we've been missing. Um, he's got the experience. He's obviously a player. I think that we should definitely be doing. And so, uh, well, I mean, he, makes I would, you, he makes you feel safe. You know, yeah. You see, like uh, if you see him in the back line, you sort of feel safe. You know, you're not like oh, this is you know slightly slightly tricky, slightly temperamental. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I feel good with having him there. And he's still a young lad as well. You forget, he's still, what, 23 or something, which is shocking to me. I mean, he looks like he's 45, you know? Is he actually 20? I didn't know. He, I, I thought he was maybe in his mid to late 20s. My, my... I think he is. I could be wrong. I think I read this morning he was he was, he was a young and I, Yeah, well, in like case, you're right. I think because the confidence thing in the back line, usually when you've seen a, a, a team sheet, especially last season, we were just putting your head. Well, my, I was putting my head in my hands, and I was just like, "Right, we'll see." How well, every time there was a, every time there was a free kick or a corner, we were nervous. You know. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm, well, was t- even now, <laughs> it still seems to be something that we've not c- completely eradicated. Uh, set pieces seem to cost us, uh, but I definitely feel much more confident like, with a with a Carter Vickers in the back lane. I want to ask you, what's your opinion on on Ralston this season? Because uh, he's he, if you remember, he was. On his way out, I think, and oh, fans yeah. just didn't, and then he's just he's come in, and for me, he's been absolutely incredible, untouchable. Well, I think somebody somebody said it online. Um, I can't remember who, so I'm, I'm stealing their uh, their quote. But you know, he was like at the beginning of the season, it was like, well, Ralston's just going to be warming up that spot until we get somebody new in, and he's on his final days at Celtic, and then you know, Dranovic comes in, and you say, okay, that's it, Ralston, you're done. Um, and it just speaks volumes that he he was undroppable, you know, and couldn't drop him. And so, you know, the new right back that we brought in, we ended up playing him left back um, because Ralston was like taking my spot. And I love that about him. I mean, again, I think he's strong. I think he's skillful. Yes, I was in the camp. You know, I remember him playing against Barcelona and that famous picture of him and Neymar. And I was like, okay, oh, yeah. he's a Celtic boy. He's got he's got the passion, but he was always. You know, just a young prospect that you're like, I mean, he's just not ready for the big time yet. You know, he's just not there. And he's proved us all wrong. I hope he continues to prove us all wrong because he's getting man of the match, you know, results all the time. Um, He's scoring goals. Scoring goals. And, you know, that one at Ross County. I mean, you know, I I was a bit irritated at the St. Mirren game, um, you know, a week or so ago because I I felt the Ross County game, again, was a warning. where we didn't, I mean, I know we've got a lot of injured players, but the, the, the team that we had fielded, you know, that was a tricky game. And Ralston came up and, and popped in the goal. And, you know, I, I know he also did that for us in Europe a few times. And he's, um, you know, he's uh, he's been brilliant for us. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Yeah. You, you mentioned, obviously, that that St. Manning game, we, we're coming out in this winter break, six points behind our biggest rivals. Uh, that, by and large, in part to that, dropping points. Mm. Um, the same man. Um, well, the stats: eighty-four percent possession, thirty-some shots on goal, but only seven on target. Um, for all the dominance uh, this Ange ball has created um, for Celtic, uh, I just want to get your thoughts on this, Ross. What, when you look at the team, what dominating possession teams are forced now to have to sit back 
mm-hmm. and defend the way St. Mirren were defending because if they come out and they leave us any sort of space, we'll punish them. But what we have found is that Ange is playing a sort of route one kind of football. It's we're going down the wings and we're crossing the ball in. Um, against St. Mirren, we didn't have anybody, any real height or stature to get in the end of those balls. Um, and, and and I think it's something that cost us because we, we he never changed the game plan at all. Is that something you think is a prop? Did, should he have a plan B for, for instances like that? Yeah, and I don't think right now, I don't think we've figured out a way to unlock these defences that do part of us. Um, you know, I was at the St. Mirren game and, you know, I'm watching it from behind the goal. And I was getting irritated just watching all these long crosses from the byline. You know, I was just like, like nobody was hitting the ball where they should have been. And it was a lot of like passing back and forth, a lot like Brendan Rodgers used to do, you know, uh, side passing. And for me, I was like, I don't know what that plan B is, except we've got to have people that are willing to take a punt because we're just waiting on on that crack to appear to get that killer through ball. But, you know, when teams are sitting staunch, because they'll play for the draw, you know, St. Mirren don't, they're not going for the win. You know, mm. they're absolutely going for the one point. Um, and so if they just stay strong and don't allow any gap to appear, then we've got to have somebody that can chip a ball. We've got to have somebody who can leather the ball. We've got to have somebody who can take, you know, a punt from outside the box. Um, and so when those 30 shots then become, okay, maybe we get 20 on target because, you know, um, for me, that would be, that, that that's what was irritating me as a spectator. I'm like, why is nobody just taking a hit? And I'm not saying like a, you know, uh, a near baton that will, you know, hit Rosie. 30, but, 40 yards out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, but you know, have a go. Like somebody's yeah, got to go because it's like they are literally camping us in and we can't get around them. We can't twist and turn our way out of it and we're relying on luck. And when you rely on luck, you know, that that's uh you know, it's a tricky way to try and win the game. No, absolutely. And your your point the the Ralston had a late um against Ross County. Yeah, it was a warning. It was a warning shot. Yeah, but this yeah. I mean, when I saw that lineup, I was like, Oh, here we go again. So I hope. I hope somebody A can actually cross a ball today, and and B I hope you know somebody can actually take a dig from outside the area because it's going to be eleven or ten red shirts and their keeper. I mean that's and that's what it was, you know. For that and what, looking ahead then, because uh, obviously we've got a big derby game coming up, and it's crucial that we win. I mean, at, at this point in the season, it's a must win uh, if we've got any chance. I think. Uh, but there's still a lot of points to play for, and I think both Celtic and Rangers will drop points between now and the end of the season. But you need to be winning these games, I think, for, for especially when you're in a title challenge. What What's your... I mean, obviously, January remains to be seen in terms of how we strengthen and what we bring in, or if there's any outgoings or things like that. We don't know what the, what the case is. But what, what, what do you think the plan is against uh, Rangers come 2nd of February? I mean, I think on paper, um, there's no... There's no question that we're a better side. I feel the games that I've watched Rangers play in, there's no question that we're the better side. Um, But I have been saying that for two, three years, that we're still the better side. Um, They tend to, or they did last season, they had a camaraderie that I guess I think that we didn't have. And right now they have a depth in their squad that we perhaps don't have. Um, so I think that's really it. It's healing everybody up, getting two, three, four more people in just so that we have, you know, our rotation can't be, and I mean, no disrespect here, but it can't be, you know, bringing in one of our youth players to replace Kyogo. I mean, that's just, that's, we've got to have two Kyogos. We've got to have two strikers that whoever's playing is absolutely firing on on all and can score goals, you know. Um, we need two Abadas. We need two James Forrest, you know. We know, I guess, those two are there too. But you know what I mean? We need, no, no, yeah, yeah. we need to double up and we need to have, no matter who's coming in and who's coming out, we've got somebody that's actually going to start producing. Um, and I know we've been, you know, it's been hard on us. Our, our strikers have, have, have all been injured. You know, there's obviously training is 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 not adapted to their bodies yet because everybody's pulling up with the quads you know um but uh that will come but as far as as far as getting ready for the derby game yeah i think i'm excited about it i love i love a derby game um and i i feel that 
it's really it's it's a mental game. It's who's up for it most. And I think the games that we've lost recently to our rivals have been they've been more mentally prepared. Yeah, like I see them more up for it. You know, um, which is how we were for like the previous nine years. We were just all over them because we were just up for it. We knew we were going to win. We knew we were better, and they were on the back foot. And I feel that maybe getting into the the ten in a row situation you know, that plays on you mentally a little bit and it sort of, you know, makes you worried and we've just got to be fully confident and know that we're Celtic and know what we mean and know what we can bring and it shouldn't even be a question. Yeah, absolutely. We need to, uh, you're uh, spot on, Ross. We need to remind them um, that, because, like you say, for the past couple of years, um, we've kind of let that slip mm-hmm. um, and, and and they've had they've had their card marked for the, for I don't know how many games it is, but I think there's something like six or so games we've failed to beat them. So, mm. I mean, it's something we definitely sort of rectify, uh, and especially this year because, like he says, you want to wrestle that title back. Um, because there's nothing worse than having to listen to a Rangers fan glowing about uh, having a title. I mean, you probably don't need to experience it so much now being back in LA, but still living in Scotland here, it, it's constant. And I still I mean, get my like, fair amount on social media. I mean, so, yeah, I was about to say, although you probably do deal with it on social yeah. media. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Ross, I wanted to, to ask as well, one of the things that happened at the start of this season was the obviously Peter Law stepped down for his position as CEO and we brought in Dominic Mackay. Uh, Mackay, by all accounts, well, Postacoglu, sorry, uh, by all accounts, looked like I'm a bit of a Mackay appointment to an extent. Uh, Mackay at least seemed to talk well about the appointment. He knows who he spent time in Japan, he knows who, who he is and his pedigree and he wanted to bring him to the club, etc. Um, and he had all these ideas about bringing modernising Celtic Football Club which we've not seen for a, some, a great deal of time to be honest um, the, the fan engagement that Mackay brought in I'm, I don't know how familiar you are with that but he was having Celtic fan media uh, podcasts such as ourselves and, and other fan media ahead of the sort of print media um, to to meet the manager and ask questions for the players and that post-match, pre-match like he, was, he brought these things in place where the fans became a focus um, and then obviously in a matter of months that Mackay appointment fell to bits and he, he left we don't know the reasons behind that I've been very very critical though of the, the Celtic board um, and the, the way that they're running the club at the minute um, I just want to ask firstly um, off the back of that the, the, the Mackay appointment did you see that as a as a good appointment uh, in replacing Law and did you see some sort of progression or progressive sort of mindset that you've not seen at Celtic, or were you in the same way once that appointment had ended? Were you think, oh, we're just going back to another yes man? Um, all right, so <clears throat> I'll rewind for you for a second. Uh, January last year, I was out here in LA and I was watching the team just sink, and I was watching empty stadiums because of COVID, I was watching the um the way the social media was, uh, you know, from the club, uh, representing the club. And I was like every other fan in the fact of going, what's going on? I felt that it was cheesy. I felt that we were being cheap. I felt that we were looking bad on and off the field. And I thought there's nothing that I can do to rectify what's going on the field, but perhaps there's something I could do to help um, how we're perceived off the field. So I wrote to Peter, I wrote Peter Law uh, a letter. Okay. And Peter, um, Peter and I have known of each other for many years, but, you know, we've never sat down and had dinner together, but, you know, we've known of each other. Um, and he writes back and he says, Ross, let's get on Zoom. So I had a Zoom call set up. And there was me, there was Peter, and there was a few other of the folks in the marketing department. And we sat around a table. And in my letter, I was pretty much saying what you've just said. I was just like, I don't understand why the wheels have come off. We've got to start behaving like the club that I know we are. Um, in In the moment between him replying and the Zoom call, he resigned. And so he came on the Zoom call. And I started laughing. I said, you know, well, my my letter was supposed to be just a nice letter. Peter. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, jump off and leave it. And he, he sort of humored it. He's like, I know, Ross, you pushed me over the edge. And, you know, um, but uh, 
the truth of the matter is, is yes, he he does come from a business background. Um, he is a big Celtic fan, whether people want to you know jump into that or not. But he was really concerned, and he was like, "I see that we need to change." And I said, "You just need to adapt with the times. It just feels that we're just one step behind every time. Yeah. It's usually because it feels like we don't want to spend money." And and through these conversations, we managed to get a little bit more money put into the media department. And I don't know if you've noticed or not, but I actually think they've done a great job this past year. They've really elevated their content. In terms of, so yeah, just to, I, I don't want to cut you off because this is a really mm. interesting story, but you know, you, you're absolutely right. The marketing in terms of their media, like the Twitter, the, the graphics and stuff they're producing, that they've definitely yes. elevated that. Yeah, Absolutely. they started doing a little more. I mean, don't get me started on the Christmas ads, but, you know, I'm sure some people <laughs> love them, so I'll, I'll let it slide. But to me, I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, but I get it. I get it. I get why, you know, we've got kids in our fandom and it needs to be a dear to. But, you know, my big thing was Messi's not going to be scared of, you know, a Celtic, a Celtic football player in a dressing gown sitting on a shelf. And they're just, you know, can we just... Can we try and you know make you know? Um, but it's another story. Uh, so so you know, I had a lot of chats with the club and and a lot of you know, I'll I'll keep them you know I'll keep their names out of the the press. But you know, a lot of people within the club were super open to ideas. They were hearing the fans. Um, I was mentioning to them, look, we, that's my dog, by the way, in the background. If you hear oh, this yeah. awful camel drinking. Um, <laughs> And uh, uh, so they were listening and they were they were willing to adapt. So when when Mackay came on board, sure. I mean, you know, I was excited about it, like everybody was going, OK, a bit of fresh blood. He brought in Ange. That looked like it was going to be a good thing. I don't know the reason why he left. It did seem slightly suspicious. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. Um, I'm not sure why that was. And then this new fella, I, I, I still I have never met him. Um, all I saw was what he was my age, and I was like, "Does that mean that I could be CEO of Celtic?" Like, because I still think like all the CEOs are like way older than me. But this guy's now forty-five, and I'm like, "I could do this job." Is <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I don't think he's qualified to do the job either, Ross. And, and I mean, what I will say is, since Mackay has left and he's came in, he has been—he's not said—he's not uttered a word true. to Celtic. Yeah, and that—that that is two, that's one step forward, two steps back. Because sure. you've just said. Sure. I mean, listen, it reeks a little bit of, of the Lennon situation, you know, it, it, you know, a little bit of what's the easy choice. However, uh, what I can say is it's not a foolish business, Selwick. You know, nobody's just doing anything flippantly. It might not come across the way that we all want it to, to come across, but I'm pretty sure this guy has some form of experience in this world. They're not just going to give it to somebody's brother. Um, yeah. But I'm the same. Maybe a wee bit harsh with my assessment. It wasn't. Well, no, but I'm, I'm with you until I hear from him. Until you know, we actually see what he's doing. He hasn't proven himself to me. So you know, the yeah, exactly. is not there yet. Um, maybe he will. You know, Ange didn't prove himself to us, and now look where we are. Um, so maybe I, I, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. So I sort of go, maybe he's got something that we just don't know about yet. Um, I would have rathered. I would have rather than, you know, so many different things happen within the club. I know we were talking about, you know, um, uh, a football director and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that probably yeah. would have made a lot of sense for us. But um, I sort of sit here and, and I wait and see, you know, if we win the title, that'll, that'll do all the telling that I need. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's what most of us are, 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 are sort of looking for or expecting mm -hmm. at least. Um but yeah, no, I mean that that, that like I said, Ross, it, it, it's it's fascinating as well that you you mentioned that about the the, the whole the, the contact with Law um, mm. and about being a CEO. You mentioned something on um, it may have been tongue in cheek, but I, I, I kind of had my fingers crossed that there was something in it. You mentioned something on social media. Um, you may have got in touch with a couple of people um, about maybe getting some shares in Celtic, getting a, a bit of voice heard in the boardroom. Is that still something? You know, I mean, I, I think it was flippant at that point. I think it was like, how do I, you know, how do I, how do I convince Dermot to give me some of, you know, some of his percentages? Um, no, I mean, look, I think when fans are involved in a club, it really helps um, because there is a passion that runs deeper than business, you know. Um, yeah. 
but you still have to I, I, I sort of ride on the side of caution a little bit because I am such a fan but I have to look at the business side of, of a club like Celtic as well and go I sort of understand you know I, listen I want us to go out and spend the fortune and buy oh, these no, absolutely people, you know but I also go I also want our, our, our club to survive yeah. and I want our club to still have this fan base but I, I do want to see some some results on the pitch you know I'll never forget that most Celtic fans, uh, you know, Celtic is a huge part of their life and a lot of their hard-earned money goes into this club. Uh, you know, some people, I mean, I think times have changed a little bit, but, you know, there's certain certainly families that don't go on vacation because they spend all their money on Celtic. And so to me, I go, you have to pay that back. You have to be yeah. conscious enough yeah. to pay that back. So if you're not performing on a pitch, um, something needs to change. And so whether that's, Fans having shares in the club. I don't know. I'm I'm not the one to answer that. I don't know. No. So I, I mean, I, I brought it up because I remember you tweeted about or you you you. you I, I was, can't remember I, who I was, was. drunk. <laughs> we all do things on social media when we've had a wee bit to drink. I've said yeah, that. Yeah, lucky yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. So, I mean, we're we're almost uh, an hour, Ross. I could sit here and talk about Celtic all day. Uh, there's a couple of other things I wanted to touch on as well. Um, I've got time. Yeah, I've got time. Yeah, fantastic. Um. I wanted to ask about a because you have, in essence, lived a dream that many of us will never ever experience, and that is going out, walking on the hollow turf, your parkhead in front of a full stadium, um, and played football in front of those fans. And I I wanted to just sort of gauge what what was that experience like? Because you've done it what two or three times now. I've done it twice. Yeah. Twice, um, yeah, yeah. It's uh. It's a dream come true, isn't it? I mean, it's like, yeah. And look, I don't take that for granted either. When I got the phone call uh, for the first one, um, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it's, it would be like you getting a phone call. I, I felt the exact same way. I was like, yeah, Are you yeah. kidding? this is incredible. Uh, I better start going and doing sprints out on my street. I'm gonna, um, you know, I've joked about it for years. Like, if I'm on location somewhere, uh, usually me and the crew end up getting, you know, a couple of five-a-side teams together, and you go play football on a Sunday afternoon, and we all dress like twelve-year-old boys. You know, we've all got our football kits on, and I've got football boots on, yeah, yeah. I've got the, <laughs> the socks, I've got the shorts. I think I play for Celtic, you know, and I'm I'm in the middle of New Mexico playing against, you know, Spaniards, <laughs> you know, and it's like. Um, so to get that call that it was actually going to happen was like so exciting for me. Like I was so excited. Um, uh, the first time, sorry, mate. No, sorry. The first time, uh, <laughs> squeaking the back now is the dog wants to play. Apparently she thinks now's the time. Um, but the first time, obviously I had to fly from Los Angeles to, uh, to Glasgow. Um, jet lagged out my mind. Um, but had an incredible experience and, and, and been able to share that with my family was just a, a, a magical experience. Um, yeah. In fact, one of the greatest things for me with my work is that I get to show my, you know, I get to share that with my dad. I got to take my dad to the stadium. At first, he was just jealous. You know, he wasn't even excited <laughs> for me at first. He's like, why are you? <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, he shed a tear when uh when they started playing this the, the song and i came out on the on the turf and you know blessed myself on that pitch and pulling on the hoops being in the dressing room you know your name's on the back of the shirt you 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 have your own locker you're sitting there with heroes you know guys i've grown up idolizing you know petrov and larson you know you know sutton's there and hartson and all these guys that i was you know growing up playing you know, and, and I'm there. And to me, it was just a phenomenal experience, a bit of a daze. You know, it's like I remember it, but I was also a little bit loopy from it. Um, and so the first time was great. And then the second time was the full house. So the first time wasn't a full house. The first time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, second time was a packed stadium. And same thing, I, I literally wrapped a movie at 4 a.m. here. And I was on a flight at whatever time the next day to Glasgow. So I arrived just loopy. Um, and uh, 
you know, but it was the whole thing. It's like you go to the hotel and all the players, you're all staying at the same hotel and you're downstairs having a little drink, but everyone's like, again, pretending they're pros. So, you know, we're yeah, all going to have a drink. Yeah, yeah. Everyone goes to bed early. You know, you get up in the morning, you're super excited. You're like, you know, and I'm, I'm up at 3 a.m., so I'm jet lagged. And I'm waiting on everybody to come down for breakfast and you sit and you have your breakfast. And um, then the bus shows up and you get on the coach and you're there with your team bus and you're there and you've got Brownie with you and you've got, you know, all your players that are just, you know, we all sort of know each other now anyway. So you're goofing around, arrive at the stadium, you pull up on Celtic Way, the crowds are there, you get out. Again. Good experience, yeah. Yeah, you, um, but you think you're messy. You know, you're literally getting off going, I'm Larson today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're walking with your soap bag or your boot bag and, you know, and you're giving it a little strut and the fans are there and some of them are, you know, calling out your name and you get it and you go in and they take you up and you go and have a breakfast and you, you, you eat the breakfast that they would give the players before. And what was incredible was the whole staff basically work like it's a work day. So they're all in their full, you know, training kits that they do and all the physios are there. Um, yeah. All the chefs are there. Uh, everybody's there like it's match day. So they really make you feel like you're, you're involved. And then you go down into the, the dressing room. And the thing that I noticed was it was a long time before the game. Did like, you, was it really, or was it like, did it feel no, like that? No, no, for real. Like, yeah, like you're there yeah. like a good, I want to say like three hours before the game, but maybe I am. All right, okay. You know what I mean? But because you 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 have something to eat and then you go down and then you're in the dressing room and then you've got to put on the training kit. And so you've got the training kit. And of course, everyone's looking at each other. Do you put your socks on? Do you put your shin guards on there? And then you go, no, no, Petrov's not wearing them. He's just wearing sports socks. All right, so you take your shins off. You put your sports socks on. Um, you go out and the stadium's maybe a third full at this point. So there's that a bit of noise and you start to feel it. And you go out and you do your warm-up and you're knackered after the warm-up. <laughs> like, you you know, you're ready to vomit inside of the field, you know, on a pitch after the warm-up. Um, then you go back inside and then it starts, then it starts building. You know, and then you got your shirt on, you come out and you do the huddle and you take the photo and it's magic. But the the pitch is way bigger than you can imagine. And that ball moves unbelievably quickly. So when the ball comes to you, the first thing you want to do is get rid of it. You're like, <laughs> have it. Get rid of someone else. Cause I am not gonna, I'm not gonna fuck this up. Um, my 20, first, 60, people. Yeah, of course. Now, my first game, I actually played reasonably well. My second game, I was a mess. But it was, regardless for me, it was just the experience and, you know, tackling Scolzi and getting tackled by Scolzi was just electric for me. And, you know, uh, I remember Henrik going up. I was against Larson because I was in the away kit on my second one. And uh, Larson going up for a ball. And I'm like, I could get a ball here. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, don't, don't be the one to take that. Don't, don't do be it. that guy. Yeah. Oh. Um, and that was my claim to fame as I, I managed to nick the ball off of Larson. And then he, you know, did all those by scoring 84 goals or whatever. It was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, I, I, like I said, that's the dream for all of us as Celtic fans. I think, like, for me, the, the closest I've got, you've done the, you do the tour. And mm. you, you you see the dressing rooms and you come out the tunnel, but you can only go so far. You can't go on the pitch. You right. get to sit at the dugout and stuff like that. But it's an empty stadium. There's just other people there. But to to, to experience that on it, like you said, like a match day, everything happening round about you, like a match day going out, playing on the pitch with these legends, the guys that have been the names are cemented in the history of the club forever. Um, sure. And experiencing the noisy a uh, uh, parkhead as well must have been absolutely incredible. Yeah, but also likewise, what you're saying, like the first time that Celtic uh, invited me over to um, to go and do like the stadium tour, you know, uh, the first time I saw the dressing rooms, I remember just being in awe. I remember the first time walking down a tunnel, which you've done, and just being in awe and sitting on the manager's seat and, you know, just, ah, I mean, it was electric for me as well. The first time I went to the training yeah. ground, they invited me down at the training ground and, Lenny was a coach at that point, and he's like, you know, chuck on some boots and come and train with us. And I'm like, I love this team so much. I'm not going to take any time away from training. 
like it's you know i sort of regret it a little bit but i'm also like no i want them to train and not be all about you know there's an actor here and we've got to take pictures like train yeah <laughs> this team means a lot to me no messing around um and so I've, I've experienced that same thing as you did. And I think uh, the first time I ever got on the field was I was at a game. I even forget the game. It might have been against Hearts, I think. Um, and uh, and before the game, I was I was in one of the lounges. You know, I like going and hanging out and sitting with my dad in his season two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. But occasionally, you know, I go over and I get to be fancy, you know, and uh, – and uh, I was having a cup of tea before the game and, and one of the announcers came over and he says, will you come on and do the, the halftime um, raffle? I said, yeah, love that. So, of course, right before halftime, he come and got me from my seat, walked me down through the tunnel, did the introduction, and I got to walk on onto the pitch. And, and that was magical for me. Yeah. That was like a, a real moment of, you know, that's hallow turf. Yeah, no, I, for a reason. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I, I am jealous, Ross. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, so is my like, dad. Don't worry about it. My dad, my other father, was like, you know, you know, very, very upset. But then he got over it. So hopefully, you will too. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I wanted to ask you as well, Ross. Uh, obviously, you mentioned you've you've now you, you've obviously you've shared the pitch with some of these guys. You've shared the dressing room with some of these guys, and you've developed friendships. Um, do you have any like sort of? Is there, is there any like stories or anything, maybe funny stories or anything that really sticks with you that you could maybe tell us? Not really, like with, with the guys. No, I mean, I, I just remember, I remember the first time going uh, going over to uh, Lennox Town and, uh, or Lennoxton, as we call it. Um, and uh, being there, I think, I think already like a lot of the players had started following me and I was following them on social media. Um, and uh, and it was the first time I met Virgil because he started following me on Twitter, I think it was. And so we were writing to each other and he was like, hey, I'm a big fan. of I think it was Band of Brothers at that time. So it was, you know, he was full in on that. And so when I saw him at the training ground, uh, he was just walking down the stairs and he was like, hey, and I was like, hey, and we hugged and, you know, said hello. And it was the first time I then met Lennon in the reception. And what was interesting for me was I'm like, I'm a fan. So I'm going, I play FIFA with all these guys. You know, I, I, I watch these guys play every week and I forget that they have also watched things with me in it. So we're both having this weird moment of, Hey, Hey, yeah, <laughs> we're friends, right? Hey, okay, you know, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm a football fan. So I'm in awe of these guys who are way younger than me. And and I'm not saying they're in awe of me, but they certainly know who I am and are sort of excited yeah, yeah. that I'm there. And so all of a sudden, there's it. I'm like, why are you excited? I'm the one who's yeah. excited. And then, you know, and so that's always been uh, been been funny for me is whenever I whenever I see the see the players, there's always this mutual kind of hey hey, and you know, then we get over it and we talk about self. Yeah, it always comes back to that though, doesn't it? It doesn't matter if, if you meet somebody who is that if you have that in common yeah you, like you say you can you can talk about it for ages i'll tell um, i'll tell you one quick story that you know nobody knows and i maybe i'd get in a bit of trouble but i think i'd be all right there was one time i was back in glasgow and i had the opportunity um i was out with some celtic connected people and i had the opportunity to go and see parkhead and it was like at midnight and I said, I'd love to. And they're like, do you want to do you go have a look at a quiet parkhead? Absolutely. So we go over to uh, to Celtic Park, go through the doors. Uh, it wasn't the, the the main doors. It was like the, the, the gated doors to the left of the main doors that yep, take you okay. into the pitch. And so I go in and some of the security boys are like, hey, Ross, how are you? And, it's, you know, because there's security there all the time. And I go in and, um, you know, the Celtic sign is lit up. So it's on at all times. So I was like, oh, it's fascinating. And I went in, it was beautiful. And I'm taking pictures. It's an empty stadium. And the person I'm with, I said, can I go and sit in a dugout? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd already sat in a dugout doing a tour with what you'd done. And in two days' time, we were playing Rangers at Celtic Park. And I knew this. that The reason I was over was for the for the derby game. The game, yeah. 
So I went over and, and, and Brendan was our, was our leader at that point. And so I went over and I sat in Brendan's seat and I may or may not have had a small bottle of something that wasn't water. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to do a toast. And I did a little toast to Celtic Park, took a shot, put a shot just around the dugout. Two days later, we won 5-1. It was a demolition derby. It's the one where Musa did his hat trick. Fantastic. You take, you taking the credit for that one? Mate, yeah, um, sure. definitely, yeah. definitely put a little, bit, <laughs> a little bit of magicness on there. If it were the other way, I would never have told that story. No. The fact that, that happened, I was like super excited. No, I love that. That's fantastic. What a story. Uh, but that must have been quite an experience as well. It says quiet, dark, all lit up. Wonderful. Wonderful. I think it's a shame as well that you mentioned that you're not going to go over for the second of February game because that would be the first derby game that's going to be under the lights, essentially, uh, in a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, you never say never, but if it's February 2nd, yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is a possibility that that might never happen either. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ross, listen, um, it's been absolutely fantastic speaking to you, mate, and I appreciate you obviously taking the time to come on and have a chat with us. Um, I, I, have you enjoyed that? Is it? I've had a miserable time. This is miserable. This is, yeah, yeah, I could tell. <laughs> I've been counting down the minutes to get over that. No, John, it's been a pleasure, and obviously speaking to anyone else who's Celtic-minded, it's always uh, you know how it is. You can talk about yeah, Celtic, you know. Um, what I want just obviously, um not forgetting what your primary job is and the fact that you are a star in your own right. <laughs> the, what, what, what is it? What, just let us know what's happening at the minute, what you got going on. Sure. Actually, there's a, a couple of things. So in January, I think January 24th, uh, my movie about us, which I also wrote. So I wrote and I star in and we shot it in Italy. That was released in America this year, but it comes out in the UK on all platforms. So Amazon, uh, Apple, Hulu, whatever they are. It's on all of those. Not Hulu. Hulu's a free one. Um, but about us. So please watch it. It's a, it's a terrific, lovely, beautiful, heartbreaking story. And then in February, on February 4th, the next film I wrote, I also directed, um, and that's called A Violent Man. It used to be called Aya, which I much preferred. But, you know, the, uh, the, mar that, yeah. the marketing people in this world like to change things for some of unknown reason so a violent man is the title that we thought was uh, was brilliant but it's it's a brilliant dark prison drama um uh great cast uh and uh that comes out in the cinemas february 4th and then it does all the platforms again so your your amazons your your apple your itunes all of that um and uh, and then what else? And then Suspicion is my uh, TV show I did with Uma Thurman that comes out on Apple TV. I think that comes out February fourth as well. So those are the three to look out for in the next couple of months. Outstanding, busy man, Ross, busy man. Um, also, you, they, they let people know where they can like for any Celtic fan who's been living under a rock and maybe doesn't know who you are or this is the first time they've experienced you as a Celtic fan. And uh, mm. if they want to find you on Twitter, where where can they go? I think you just type in my name somewhere. I think Twitter's Maca Geezer, but if you type in Ross McCall, I'm sure it'll come up. Yeah, same on Instagram. Fantastic. Well, Ross, again, absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for taking the time out to, to join us, especially with the time difference in being in LA. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, we're we're celebrating on the second. Take it easy, mate. Thank hey, you. Well. Bye. Hey, well.